0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of CultureCast. CultureCast, if you haven't joined us before, is eXp Realty's official diversity, equity, and inclusion podcast. And I'm your host, Cody Gilkison, the Senior Manager of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. You can check our banner down there below to find out more about us. I'm here today on our glorious episode 19. These keep racking up and it seems like the time is flying because I'm having fun. But uh, I'm here with Holly Kitchens, who is a brand new member of the leadership squad of the Pride Network at eXp. Um, Holly, welcome.
1: Oh my gosh, hey everyone. I am so excited to be on. And Cody, thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, it's great. So today's episode, we're gonna talk about effective allyship, right? And Holly, you've really made a career and a name from yourself out of being a great ally for others. And I love that. It's a beautiful thing. And that's what we're going to dig into today. Do you want to give everybody just a little bit, a little snippet of your background?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I born and raised in a small town of Brush Springs, America, which is located in Oklahoma, population 1300. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only did I grow up in a small town, but I also grew up um, in the low income housing. So like not only we were like, the small town people were the poor people of a small town. So can you imagine how that is? Yeah. Um, but yeah, growing up, I was always shy because again, we didn't have money. We didn't have the nice clothes. I was bullied for it. All these other things. I always thought attention equals negativity because anytime there's attention on there, it tended to be bullying. Right. So mm-hmm. fully under the radar. I was the typical, you know, um, hanging out in the hallway with the, the pop punk kids, the emo kids, the goth kids, so hanging out with them, really kind of like, I felt kind of welcomed into that um, that crowd of the unknown, right? The unknowns. Um, but fast forwarded to as an adult, I um, got my real estate license and I had an interview with a guy named Jay Kinder, who is in a lot in Oklahoma at the time. And he was like, yeah, like a deep, he, I took my disc personality test. I did everything. He's like, yeah, like we'd love to have you on the team. So I was like, Oh my gosh. But I loved about being on Jay's team though, is like Jay's face was on the billboard. Jay's face was on the signs. Jay's face was on the moving van, the website, everything. So again, I still got to play it safe while, you know, of course having a career. So fast forward to 2017, I wanted to dabble in e-commerce as well. So I started an online boutique and on that online boutique, I do what anybody you know in business does i hired an, a coach to help me you know kind of collapse time and see around corners and um i was talking to him and he was like so what are you doing different than amazon What are you doing different than target because the boutique i had was like geared towards concert goers i'm an avid concert girl fan so it's essentially outfits for con- concert goers so i was like that's a great question. You know, you can go to these outlets and get a Guns N' Roses shirt for $12. Why would they go to my unknown boutique online and pay $36? So, again, going back to the importance of community, I was like, okay, well, one thing that Amazon and Target don't have is me, they don't have Holly. So, I took that as an opportunity to kind of put my big girl pants on, if you will. And, you know, show up as a business owner and let people know who they were doing business with, because, you know, if I really kind of put myself out there and created that community within my boutique or my online boutique, from there, of course, people would be uh, still more involved and be more, um, be more to uh, what's the word I'm looking for. They would be more inclined to buy from me. Right. So um, from that, I developed my podcast. And on my podcast, I would interview rock stars at shows and I take questions from, um, you know, from customers and like, hey, I'm about to interview so and so questions you guys have. So really made them feel part of that community. And it's so crazy to think that, like, you know, the shy girl from Rush Springs, Oklahoma that like had a speech impediment, I still have a speech impediment, but anyways, that has a speech impediment, um, but R's and W's, that is something I always struggle with. But anyways, um, yeah, I uh, went from, I just took the leap and I put myself out there and I was so nervous. And it really kind of felt g- great though, right? Once you like be yourself, be authentically yourself mm. and just having a fun, it was just a, such a great positive feedback from you know everybody, whether they like the music or the musicians I was interviewing or not. Mm. Um I started having my friends and of course you know being in the real estate world you know this majority I would say like 75% of my Facebook friends are real estate agents just across right. the nation. <laughs> so yeah exactly. Um so from that they're like how are you doing this like what's going like you know who's doing your stuff and I'm like I'm doing it myself I'm a very resourceful person. So that kind of transitioned for me to like small town girl to the, my real estate career. Obviously I'm still here with the EXP so I still have my real estate license and things like that. Um, but also kind of catapult me into the branding world and helping people kind of do the same thing, like stop hiding behind a logo and show who you are and show up as yourself and really attract your tribe. I know that's always overplayed when it says attract your tribe, but for real, like you know, attracting the people that want to to do business with you and um, you know, just putting yourself out there and you know, letting go of fear. So that's kind of a quick brief story of. Who I am and how I got kind of on the path in real estate, as well as in the whole branding sector.
0: I love that. I love that. Every time we're in video, I connect to you in such a big way because uh, of just uh, the stuff behind you. Is like you're walking I, through the path of the phases of my life behind you. You know, right? You got my couple romance and Blink One Eighty Two, Sun Forty One, and Prince and Britney. <laughs> like I, this is oh god. Like I have all these records right here behind me. <laughs>
1: You know I was thinking cuz I had my greenery behind here before so I'm sure people who have seen me on EXP um stuff previously you could see like the green greenery which is great but I was like man I need I just need to switch up for 2024 yeah. and I was like looking at my albums like oh, I love like so much music I that's who I am again going back to branding I'm like went on Amazon buy, bought these little like album clips smacked yeah. those bad boys on the wall but it's cool cuz now I can like I can change them out so I can change my background without a lot of work well, yeah,
0: it. it's great. And you know, it, it helps people relate to you. I've had people before that are like, like, I love all your video greener, game malarkey behind me. Yeah,
1: yeah, like, got... Here's Metallica. It's all kinds of crazy behind me. But yeah,
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. So let's let's talk about allyship. So what does allyship mean to you? How do you define that?
1: So to me, allyship is more than just accepting or tolerating whatever somebody wants to say. To me, allyship is, you know, it's actively supporting, it's actively advocating in those marginalized communities. So recognizing those challenges and seeing those, that oppression that it exists and acknowledging it, not just, you know, tolerating it or just sitting back, but, like really, doing something about it, it's can be using, and I'm saying privilege in the war, way of like, um, if you're not part of that group and you're an ally, like you can use your privilege in the sense of, you know, you have an opportunity to really amplify those who need need that awareness. It's yeah. a lifelong com- to me, it's a life, I mean, not to me, it definitely is, this is my facts, but it's a lifeline com- lifelong commitment. Of learning, listening, taking actions to really create, you know, an equal society as it should be, which is so crazy. I'm like, why does this even exist? Like yeah. it's 2024. We're still talking about you know people needing rights and stuff, but sadly it does.
0: It does, yeah. And you know, I um I have a a quote that I sort of live by that's by um a woman named Amber Hikes. If you're not familiar with Amber Hikes, she's the She was the LGBTQ liaison to the mayor for the city of uh, Philly and was the sort of thought leader that brought the idea of the Philly pride flag, of adding the black and brown stripes to the pride flag. And um, I heard her speak, and it's something that, that shifted my life and put me on the path to DEI. And the quote is, it's not the responsibility of people of color to fight racism, nor is it the responsibility of women to fight sexism and misogyny. The onus isn't on trans people to fight transphobia. It's certainly not on people with disabilities to combat ableism. It's our responsibility and my responsibility and our collective responsibility to recognize our privilege and weaponize it for the good of others.
1: 100%, I love that quote.
0: Right, it's a a long quote, but that says it all, right? It's about recognizing, you know, when I am being a representative of the LGBTQ community, I have to recognize that I am a white gay man which in terms of privilege puts me at the top of the pyramid a bunch of uh, uh, you know uh, as far as privilege goes yeah right there are those who have it much worse and those are the people that I try to advocate for right um it's it's uh, more important to me that the black and brown people of color the black and brown trans people of color right Mm -hmm. really have a voice through me right that's important for me i love that so can you share a little bit about what in your life experience has led you to be such a staunch ally in particular of the lgbtq community we're talking about you becoming a leader of the pride network as an ally um what was it in your life that brought you to this
1: well you know like from my story i shared at the beginning of the episode a little bit about me like obviously we didn't have much growing up but one thing i'm very grateful for is my mom raised me with i don't know i guess I don't want to say it breaks me with empathy, but like she really instilled of like you know having just you know a heart for people. And growing up, you know, in school, I had a close friends who had identified with the LGBTQ plus community, and witnessing those struggles and that discrimination from them, and you know, of course, the judgment. Of course, you know, it's high school, it's middle school. That that's brutal. Like yeah. you know how that was like it was brutal mm-hmm. for for me, and I was, you know, myself, like, let alone somebody who is like a target on their back or, you know, different. And then kids who aren't emotionally mature enough to really decide of how they can react or respond. But seeing that judgment and having my friends literally cry to me and just tell me like, I wish I liked, you know, the opposite sex. or I wish I was this. Or, I wish I was that. Like literally, it gives me goosebumps and almost like, and I'm not an emotional person. It's always make me tear up. But I'm like, it broke my heart seeing that. And I just realized that was the moment, like it's it's so important to stand alongside those people facing that fighting for their rights, standing up for them, reporting whenever something's going awful, you know, applauding when something goes great and just really creating a safe space for people, you know, whether they were my friends or just a, a, you know, peer of mine in the school, just allowing them to have that safe space for everyone, you know?
0: Yeah. That's really important. And, And you're right. It's especially important when you're in school i mean because not only do you have to face it at school but 90 percent of us queer folks have to face it at home you know we get bullied at school we come home we can't be ourselves or if we are ourselves our parents hate it or tolerate it at best you know yeah Yeah. it means a lot
1: and then you know fast forward to today like as an adult my best friend scotty he's gay so it's like you know what i mean it's like seeing that i just i don't know to me it's like it's a no-brainer. I have to be
0: a part of it. <laughs> That's great. How did you and Scotty meet?
1: So we actually met through EXP. So, oh, um, yeah, whenever he came over into the downline, um, and I was introduced to him, was say connected with him, but then when I moved back to Oklahoma, it's so funny. Uh we I was invited to a happy hour by another EXP agent, and I remember going to it was like a rooftop thing, and I remember messaging him, the my friend that was inviting me and I was like, "Hey, I am in like Cut off shorts, like they were like to my knees, so they weren't like Daisy Dukes or anything crazy. But <laughs> I have these cut off shorts, and I'm like, I'm not really like dressed for like a professional happy hour, and he's like, Oh no no no, this is super casual. Like a lot of people are wearing shorts. I'm like, perfect. So I remember going upstairs, and I looked over, and I saw Scotty at the the bar area, and I walked up to him, and of course I had known him at this point, but I'm like, How are you wearing? Denim shorts better than I am, and then from there we've been inseparable. So
0: that's awesome. I love that. You're you're a really good storyteller. Actually, you really put me there.
1: Thanks. I mean, like, I wish I could say make some of these stories up, but I don't. These are (laughs) can't make these stories up.
0: Yeah, you can't. Sometimes you know, truth is stranger than fiction. Sometimes and far more entertaining. So why, in your opinion, do you think that it's important for groups like the Pride Network, uh, LGBT groups and any sort of diversity group? Why is it important for them to engage with allies? Like, what's the benefit to the community? What's the benefit to the ally?
1: I think it's critical for the groups like Pride Network to engage because it helps foster like a sense of belonging and acceptance, which, of course, a lot of these people, the communities, that's what they're facing is not being accepted. So it's fostering that, Um, Mm. of course, you know, allies provide support, validation, advocacy. It's really to empower those individuals within the community. And then of course, additionally, when allies are participating or involved, it does send a powerful message that, you know, we are in this together, we're fighting for equality. And it doesn't burden those who are directly effective. Like it's not all on 100% on the people of the community. It's the people who are supportive of the community as well. It's a collective effort.
0: That's it's so true. It's so true. And we, I think the allies really get something from it too. They get a level of enrichment and a, a level of knowledge of their fellow man that others might not get by not immersing themselves in another culture. There's so much personally you can gain from immersing yourself in another culture. I also would, would like to you know say that with, for, for any of these diversity groups, it, they're always done for someone who in some way is a minority, who might mm-hmm. not have a seat at the table. And those allies might be the people who do have the seat at the table, right? 100%. And if we know those people sitting at the table have our best interests in mind, that's a wonderful win, right? That's a great win for us.
1: And I think, too, it can also be like a bridge, too. Like, you never know what that, who that ally will come and contact to and be able to provide resources to somebody that they meet that might not know about the Pride Network, might not know about these um, other great, fantastic, uh, you know, communities built within a community.
0: Right. It's brilliant. So in your opinion, what qualities or actions make a truly effective ally? We always, in my DEI trainings, we talk about Uh, the opposite of an effective ally is a passive ally and passivity is sort of the, the enemy of allyship, you know, to be honest (laughs) with you. So what is it, what is it that you can do or be that makes you effective in this role?
1: I think to me being truly effective, you're going to have to possess the qualities of like empathy, humility, the willingness to learn and obviously not judge. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. You have to listen attentively to experiences and, to those needs of the marginalized communities out there without centering yourselves around it. Like, I think one thing I always see, you know, people make the mistake of is they try so hard to relate. And for me, like, I can't really, you know what I mean? In the sense of like, you know, cause I'm not part of the community. so I, I haven't faced those challenges. However, I can listen to, to those challenges. I can advocate to those challenges. So I think when you remove yourself as, cause you know, those, you we all know those one people that are always like the one uppers that are like, Oh, that's a really sad story. Also, when I was a child, this happened bad to me. Yeah, yeah. And it's like removing yourself from that and really listen. And I think most importantly, when you listen, you have to listen without judgment, right? Like you don't know what these people are going to, you've never experienced what they've experienced. And again, going back to platform. So using your platforms of privilege to amplify those voices, to amplify those issues. And I think um, effective allyship, you know, it takes action. It takes education. You're continually educating yourself and others about the issues that are faced within the community.
0: That's so, that's so real. That's so real. And I think, you know, part, part of being effective is, is actually showing up for, for what you're saying you're going to show up for. You got to walk the walk, right? Yeah. When somebody's in a conversation with an effective ally and they drop a trans slur, for example, mm-hmm. the ally, not just the trans person in the conversation, but the ally should be the one to step in and make a gentle correction.
1: Oh, hundred percent. Right? Even like on a personal note, for me, like down to the people, like I, if I was like, going even on a date with somebody, like I put that first and front most. I'm like, look, this is my best friend. These are all my friends if you have an issue with the community or if you have an issue, of course I'm a little bit more like not as aggressive with it, but I definitely <laughs> run out the gate. like if you have a problem right. with this, you have a problem with me and let's not waste each other's time. No, it right. sounds silly, but like it's, it's to everything, not even just in business, but personal life, people al- around align myself with like, um, yeah, if you can have hate in your heart, I'm sorry, I don't have time in the day for you. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. And I mean, we always open ourselves up to be willing to educate those people, but there yeah. are some, there are a lot these days of non-starter conversations and, and arguments from from folks that have bigoted opinions that just don't want to engage in the conversation because they know that they know better based on something they heard somewhere on the internet, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: like some people, you know, like I'll I'll chat with you know friends or whatever. And they're not, like, necessarily, like, they're not opposed to it, but they just don't understand it. I'm like, okay, let's – we have this street called 39th Street here in Oklahoma City. I'm like, let's go down to 39th Street and let's go eat lunch there. Let's go, you know, grab a drink at so-and-so. You know, just go into those places and saying, like, look, it's not like – everyone's human here. Like, it's not – you know, these are real yeah. people. It's, you know, to come experience yeah. it. So always – providing that opportunity for people to not only just, you know, hear what I have to say about it, but then also bring them to environments where they can experience it themselves too, and you know, get educated.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. So how can individuals, if they wanted to on their own, without an effective ally in their life, go out and educate themselves to become better allies to marginalized communities?
1: I think it starts out with seeking resources, right? And, um, Books, articles, podcasts, documentaries, anything that highlights those experiences and perspectives from those marginalized groups, I think is going to be a great place to start. I mean, the beauty of today's digital age is we have access to all those things at our fingertips, and there's so many free resources out there to, to, you know, just submerge yourself into. And it's essential to, of course, listen and learn from those voices, engage in conversations with other individuals with those diverse backgrounds. Um, attending local Alliance groups and meetups. And like, we have the, we have a Oklahoma city Alliance of professional network here, um, for real estate agents. So like, so, and they have the best, of course they have the best, um, put together, organized and fun experience. But like so many people that go there, they're not necessarily part of the community. They're just allies. They're supporting them. So, you know, catch, catch those events. And then outside of even just the real estate sector of Alliance and the groups like that, I think it's also important for people to like go to like you know we talked about this before p flag getting involved with Mm -hmm. um getting involved associations like that so like you know like last week yeah last week there was the our monthly p flag support uh meeting and man it was it was a heartbreaking one i mean like literally it was i literally left out of there thinking like my heart was just hurting for people, but going there and you, you understand the faces. Of course you have the individuals there, but then there was actually a couple of parents there too, who were like just looking there, looking to find ways to connect and help provide a better environment for their child. And just, you know, attending those, those types of environments, um, getting educated in books, podcasts, all these other things are a great way to really start understanding and really start um, being attuned to what's out there. Because I know a lot of people, they're like, oh, well, I, I accept it, but I'm not going to really necessarily pay attention to it. It's kind of like burying your head in the sand. Mm-hmm. Um, just getting out there and just getting educated is definitely a great way to get started into it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'd say, you know, find that effective ally, right? Find that person mm-hmm. in your life that that knows about the community and don't necessarily ask them to teach you. Right, but what are the resources? Right, what are the what movie should I watch that might change my mind? What podcast should I listen to? It's exactly those things you and I would be happy to rattle off a whole list of things if somebody felt the urge to learn a little bit more about the queer experience. Right, (laughs)
1: like I'd
0: say, go listen to the Making Gay History podcast produced by NPR. It's fantastic. It's got the real voices of people from history and what they went through, and it's crazy. It really is crazy. It's a it it shows you what the history of our civil rights movement has been like. I'd also encourage anyone who uses the Bible against the LGBTQ community to go watch the movie Boy Erased, just sit through it, right? It's a hard watch, but this is something I wish that I could convince my mother to watch, right? And if you are saying to me, I'm willing to learn more, this, I, I have the list of tools. If my mom ever said, maybe I'm willing to give this another shot, I've got the list of stuff I would give her and I can give you that list too, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love that. And also, but I'm going to ask for that list though, too, because we do have a lot of people that come to your flag that are always looking for um, resources. So
0: that's, you know, it's, we, you your and Me, recommendation I that? never thought about putting together a list. Maybe we should put together a list. I think absolutely. I'll do that. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. There it goes. There's there's a uh content piece already created. There it is.
0: Yeah, we just um we're in the middle of creating the Black History Library for Black History Month nice. coming in February and we did a crowdsourced what are the 10 best movies about moments in black history and I learned so much from compiling yeah. the list. I I think I consider myself someone who's an avid movie buff particularly about movies about the civil rights movement but there were maybe eight out of the 20 suggestions that i would never even heard of that is right? awesome. so yeah.
1: so like yeah. just being a part of it right you being a part of that that community you understand that you've learned something you know what i mean like you now learned something more than you already did so that's awesome
0: yeah that's cool um so let's talk about becoming an ally are there like common misconceptions that you come into contact with about like being an ally and how do you navigate conversations with folks that have negative connotations around you being an ally to the queer community?
1: Well, I think that there are some like common uh, misconceptions too, of course, with allyship that I personally have encountered. I think one belief it's, it's kind of, I don't want to say funny, but to me, it's kind of humorous because people think that it's like a a state or like a badge that you earn or something like that, where I'm like, it's not like, you know, we don't go through like a certification process or you
0: don't like,
1: like in reality, allyship, allyship is like an ongoing process of growth of learning. Um, so it's nothing earned. It's just a process that you're always going through. And I think another uh, misconception is going to be, you know, that we have to seek recognition or praise for our efforts. Like I'm not trying to go for an ally of the year this year or anything like that. Um, but like, you just, you just do it because there's a genuine desire of equity of equality of like uh, of justice of, you know, you're not searching, you're not seeking for that personal validation. You're not searching for that recognition. I think Mm -hmm. it's just being there and we navigate those conversations with others who don't understand or appreciate it. Um, I just really, Approach it with patience, empathy. And it's an, again, it's a willingness to educate those people and engage in that open dialogue. um, Because there's a reason why somebody has that. Of course, it's, it's not valid, in my opinion, no reason for it. But there's a reason, maybe something had happened or something they'd experienced. And then that's an opportunity to educate them about that, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. And, you know, from personal experience, I can tell you that being a good ally, you shouldn't go out for it, like you said, seeking recognition or anything like that. But often when you are a truly effective ally, that recognition comes naturally oh, anyway. Definitely. And that that can help your career, that can help your personal life, it can help your self esteem. It's something you can lay your head on the pillow at night and say, <laughs> I helped somebody today. I made a difference today. That's so much better. It's so much more rewarding than I made a couple bucks. You know what I mean? Uh, It's lovely to make a couple bucks. Don't get me wrong.
1: (laughs) I've had a lot of like clients and things like I've gained just from that. You know what I mean? Just being part of the community and being that and whether it be individuals themselves who are in the community or, you know, they have their, their parents or maybe someone has a son who's in the community or something. It's just, it does feel, you know, it does feel good. Of course, we always feel good whenever we do good things. But I think one of the things people think it's like, you know, you have you have that for personal reasons. No, it's just a benefit that comes along with it, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, so true. So in your experience, what are some actionable steps that someone can take to support the underrepresented groups and in in your personal and your professional life? Like what are some real actions folks can take?
1: I think some actionable steps to support underrepresented groups. Um, obviously, it's going to be critical in both personal and professional lives. Um, individuals can start by just actively seeking out diverse perspectives, promoting inclusivity, challenging, um, you know, those biased practices that are still out there. It can involve like advocating for policies in the workplace, supporting diverse businesses. You know, like I just said, like take somebody out to one of those owned businesses and, and have them, you know, not only just visit it, but, you know, buy buy lunch from there. Um, actively participating in incentives that promote it, um, you know, of course being a part of all the meetings and things like that. I know exp, we exp one, we offer a lot of opportunity to, to be a part of that. So you just showing up there. I think it's also important too to uplift those marginalized voices and their achievements on and create platforms for them, you know, share their stories on your podcast, like you're doing right here, right. Creating that opportunity. And then I think most importantly too, and it's, Kind of silly. I feel like I have to say this out loud, but you know, standing up and reporting things whenever you see something bad or you see something mm-hmm. wrong that's happening. You know what I mean? Like discrimination. You know, speak up. Like don't just sit there and like keep quiet just because you're not agreeing to it. Doesn't mean that you know that's all that you could do. Like, you know, report that to whoever you need to report it to. Because especially in the workplace, like that's going to be something that's definitely going to be crucial when it comes to. It's a simple action tech action to take, right? <laughs>
0: Yep. And for all of that and more, you can utilize the DEI team if you're here at EXP, right? You can come straight to me if you've you've experienced discrimination, if you've seen discrimination, you can bring that to me and I can help you report it to the right channels. Also, if you're wanting to take steps towards becoming an ally for a community, I know where to plug you in. Come on, bring it on. This is my favorite kind of conversation to have during the day. Bring it on.
1: (laughs) I love it.
0: So um what advice would you give someone who wants to be a better ally but feels like unsure or hesitant about where to start?
1: Yeah, I think if you're a hesitant to start, you're not sure where to begin. And again, and I feel like I've said this word a lot, but it's all about education, you know, educating yourself. Take time to learn about, you know, everything like again the struggles, the communities themselves, what what groups are out there both locally and then digital? Of course, we can hop on Zoom meetings and virtual meetings as well engage in those conversations, listen to those stories. Um, it's okay to make mistakes too, because then a lot of people are like, well, I just don't understand it or I don't, you know, whatever. It's okay to under, like, to make a mistake, but it's essential to take responsibility when it comes mm-hmm. to that. Apologize and then learn from those mistakes. And I think lastly, just be an active participant, use your privilege to advocate for change, never understand, underestimate like the power of small actions and, you know, just kind of, just being there. I think um, that's gonna be part of it because you know, if you're hesitant, like taking action is gonna be the first place to to really kind of put yourself in the right direction of it.
0: That's beautiful. I love that. And uh, you know, before we wrap up, I, I would be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity. Well, I've got a brand newly minted member of the leadership team <laughs> of the Pride Network to ask. Where do you see the Pride Network going? What can people look forward to in the future from the Pride Network? Oh my gosh.
1: I see it going so so like big and bright. I'm so excited. Um, definitely more uh, like events. We're going to look at doing some events like both locally and, of course, virtually for everyone because we are a cloud-based brokerage. So allowing you guys to join in on those monthly meetings and events. And, of course, we'll be at eXpCon. Um, yeah, We're just going to be here. We're going to be loud. We're going to be proud. I'm excited.
0: It's going to be so good. Keep tuned to the one EXP workplace page and the Pride Network page for more announcements coming soon from the new leadership team at the Pride Network. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. This has been such a cool conversation, especially thank you to Holly for joining me today. This has been just a, a great conversation. I love talking to you. <laughs>
1: Daddy, I love talking to you too. This is great.
0: All right. Well, until next time. This has been the Culture Cast, the bi weekly podcast about what makes us us, and we'll see you next time.